Hi, everyone. This is Catherine Adams. And Elizabeth Wallace. And you're listening to Binary System Podcast number 306. And tonight, we don't have a Night Vale episode to recap. Uh, Laura Olympus is not back yet. Uh, but we do have a couple things we could talk about. Namely, we're just going to jump right into it. Catherine, you finally read the first two issues of The Return of Saga. Yes, and I saw a couple of your tweets and um, social media posts about issue 56, Mm -hmm. which is the second issue. And you talked about how you're still surprised at how fast things can go wrong. And you weren't kidding in that issue. Damn. Yeah. Uh, So... giant spoiler warnings, not just for these two issues, but especially for the previous 55 or so issues. Um, You know, we got to talk about who died at the last one. I don't even know if we ever even mentioned it on this podcast who had died that really just just hit us in the heart. Yeah, well, ripped our hearts out appropriately because it was... Okay, so the series, for anyone who hasn't read it yet, is Alana and Marco are two people on opposite sides of an inter planetary conflict that's been spreading to all the solar systems. And Marco is from the race of people that have horns, and it's pretty much any Uh kind of horns. And Alana is from the race of people who has wings, any kind of wings. And they got together and they had a baby. And now they're being hunted by the leaders of all of these different conflicts going on because they have basically proven that this war is... I mean, if the two people can get together and have a baby from opposite sides of this conflict, it just, I mean, I think everything was based on them being irreconcilable, these two races. Right. So at the end, before we went to hiatus, Marco, the husband, the father, the really great character with the horns, he died. He was killed and he had his heart ripped out. And it was horrifying. It was. And it happened like... They've been telegraphing it happening for a while, but you still just didn't... He was one of the main characters, and you just, with all the other death that happens in this series, and there's a lot of death, like so many different characters that we knew and liked would get killed... But you just, on some level, you really think, they're not going to kill one of the main characters. No, they totally killed one of the main characters. We kind of think that the one character who's going to survive the entire story is Marco and Alana's daughter, Hazel. Right. uh, Because she narrates all of it. And I love her voice as she's narrating all of this. And you pointed out in your most recent review, she doesn't lie. She doesn't sugarcoat stuff. She tells things as it is. So we're hoping that means that she survives, but now we're wondering, what if she's an unreliable narrator and things yeah. get horrible again? But yep, yep, yep. Also, there are, we did have that one babysitter for her for a while, who was the very cheerful woman floating in the air with her intestines hanging down. I mean, she was basically a ghost. Yeah, she know? was a ghost, but had a lot of power, I think illusion power, that sort of thing. But she was... She was a mine victim. She stepped on a landmine, and she wasn't even one of the two warring factions. This war has just spread, infected all of these other planets. And you've got all of these civilians that were just trying to live their lives, and they're getting dragged into this mess. But yeah, so she was a great character. And she also died. But she was a ghost. But she still died. I know. So, I mean, it's entirely possible since the series has set up the existence of ghosts. Yeah, Hazel's narrating this, but she doesn't necessarily have to be alive. We don't know. But one thing I wanted to talk about, and um, the character made an appearance in issue 55, but he didn't show up in 56. But it's the character whose name is just The Will. 
And that is because he's a bounty hunter. And I think that all the bounty hunters have that kind of name, like his girlfriend, his ex-girlfriend, I guess, was called the Stock, I think. Mm-hmm. Mm, I think so. Yeah. So when you're first introduced to him, he was one of the people that was set to capture Hazel or to kill the whole family to, you know, make sure that nobody finds out about him. Well, he found out his ex-girlfriend was working on the case as well. So he just bailed. He decided, fuck it, I'm not going to do this. And he goes off to this planetary brothel, whatever. And he's being given a tour because obviously he's got a lot of money. And the pimp shows him, ah, I have something that you might really like. And he shows her, I think it's an eight-year-old little girl. I can't yeah. remember what the character's name is. Yeah. And who's you know been trained to be a sex slave. And I mean, the um, the pimp doesn't understand why the will seems to be a little bit uncomfortable at this. And the will kills him. And the little mm-hmm. girl is obviously so happy that he is saving her. Now, When you get Hazel's narration of that, though, she's talking about there have been a lot of bounty hunters that have been after my family. One of the worst monsters of all of them was the Will. Yep. And so the first thing you see of the Will is, you know, he's kind of a slacker, but he automatically acted to save the little girl. So you're wondering, what exactly is he going to do to make Hazel think that he's a monster? Well, for starters, he killed her dad. Yeah, yeah, that would be a big thing right there. But also, I mean... We have no idea. You know, he could do, he's still hunting the rest of the family. And now, what is it, Marco's ex-girlfriend, who is another one of the horns? And she is just like, oh my God, she's got a revenge hard on like you wouldn't believe. I mean, she just wants Alana destroyed. And, well, it's also because, I guess she was a bounty hunter, I think too, so. I, I think, think so. She yeah. doesn't have the, the bounty hunter name, but... Her career pretty much stalled because she hadn't killed Marco or the rest of the family. So right. the will bringing her the head of Marco, which was shocking. I didn't think they were going to go there. But yeah, actually brings out the, the skeleton head of Marco to show her that he managed to get him finally. And she was so happy that she immediately has sex with him. I'm like, whoa, oh, yeah. oh my God. Yeah, just Oh, that was what I was talking about. I mean, it's it's. I, I don't think it's unfair to say that it was porn, that one yeah. scene, you know, yeah. Yeah, but very explicit. We do have The Lion Cat came back, which I was really glad. It's so weird. I need to go reread the first 54 some odd issues and everything. I almost thought Lion Cat got killed at one point, but I guess I, that was somebody else who got killed. I think a Will's sister got killed. Right, and right. That brings me back to another thing about the Will, but we'll get to that later. Lion Cat is a fantastic character. Oh, and so amazing. has only one line of dialogue for the entire movie, which is just lying. Whenever someone That's lies, it. she knows that they're lying. And it, just the way... I mean, okay, so one funny thing was that um, Marco's ex-girlfriend is with the Will on this planet where there's this like hallucinogenic going on and making everybody see people that they knew in the past. And she sees a woman who was apparently her girlfriend. And she's standing there and she says, Lying Cat, the person who took my virginity is standing in front of me. And Lying Cat looks at her, lying? Like, she doesn't really know what she's... So she used that to verify that, yeah, she wasn't seeing what she thought she was seeing. But the adorable thing, though, was the little girl that the Will Oh, I know exactly what you're going to say. Oh, yeah, yeah. I think... Have you read that one recently? Because it's been a while since I read that particular scene. Not recently, but I mean... 
I, you could probably sum it up just as well as I can. I, she is obviously traumatized, but she's got such a great sunny attitude anyway, or she tries to most of the time. But but she's been a sex slave, and that was how she was a war refugee that her parents had to sell her for work to somebody, not probably realizing, but maybe not being able to do anything about it, that the work was going to be in the sex trade. Well, she's sitting on a planet, uh, lying up against Lion Cat, who's sleeping, and she's like, you know, just finished eating, and she's staring up into the sky, and she says, I am eight years old, and she says her name and the things that she wants to grow up to be, and then she said, and I am dirty and ugly inside because of the things that Mr. Smiley made me do, and then Lion Cat, without even opening her eyes, says, lying, and then the little girl hugs her, and I'm like, oh my God, that's wonderful. (laughs) It's probably one of the high (laughs) watermarks of the entire series. I mean, it just... (laughs) Just broke my heart in the best way when it happened. So I was really glad Lion Cat is back. So that's awesome. Um, But Lion Cat was the Will's partner, and but is not any longer. And I think what it boils down to is the Will is entirely an awful person. And and a kind of a useless person, too. Because, I mean, okay, so he gets hired to do a job, but he finds out that somebody else that he has a personal connection to is also on it. So he quits. And then he impulsively tries to rescue that little girl from the brothel, but gets stopped by security because, of course, he does. They're not going to let anyone just march out with the merchandise. So he goes to find his ex-girlfriend again to try to talk her into helping him. Well, she gets killed. So he just goes catatonic for like weeks because he's so distraught and he can't do anything. So Marco's ex-girlfriend hunts him down and finally drags him into doing his job by saving the little girl that he wasn't able to do. Right. So he instantly falls in love with Marco's ex-girlfriend. And then, God, what is it? He gets... He gets brain damaged in that attack on the hallucinogenic planet. So Marco's ex-girlfriend and the Will's sister and the little girl and Lion Cat all go to find this miracle cure for him. And in the process, his sister gets killed. So when he wakes up, he immediately rage quits all of them. He's just absolutely furious that they did that to his sister. And you just, you see this over and over and over again. He is led around by his emotions, by his dick. I mean, he's just so useless and it amazes me that now he's still going to be a main character and the fact that he's hunting down like what an 11 year old little girl to kill so. her yeah, yeah is not phasing him at all no he's i mean he has no moral compass left at this point i really don't you know like you said he's being led around by his dick and just survival and whatever and it's just uh good but speaking of that 11 year old girl so alana of course you know marco's wife widow now i guess She's, bless her heart, she's actually doing, like, she's trying to run a legitimate, quote unquote, legitimate business of selling like this formula stuff, which if you know anything about the formula industry, I mean, that's not really a legitimate business either. I mean, you can go look into the history of what formula has done to people in this country. It's kind of interesting. Uh, It's just, it's formula is a good idea that some marketing and corporate bastards turned into a monster by, right. you know, trying to apply it to people who didn't need to be using formula. Right, exactly. So when I heard that she was selling formula, I'm like, hmm, I wonder if the author's got a comment to make on that. Anyway, that's her legitimate business. The illegitimate business is she's a smuggler and a bit of a drug runner. And it's just, I think, isn't that what they said at the end of the episode was that she was coming clean to Hazel about what they do? And 
Hazel's, of course, narrating this, and Alana says something like, we're smugglers. And she's like, my parents were drug dealers. (laughs) So the next issue, they, of course, get kind of waylaid by some pirates. And this is what I'm talking about, about how Brian K. Vaughn will introduce you to a character. He introduces this character at the beginning of the episode. It's a kind of happy-go-lucky pirate character, obviously very well experienced, you know, probably used to doing some hard stuff, but so cheerful and so respectful of Alana and just so like, you know, wanting to do a business proposition. Of course, he's offering her a chance to get some drugs or whatever. And you're thinking, this is a terrible idea. But unfortunately, right before they're going to seal the deal, he asks her to take her shirt off. And she's like, uh, what? And he's like, yeah, I got to make sure that you don't have wings because he's a member of the Horns. And while he was saying the whole time, I'm a smuggler, I'm a pirate, I don't care about this war, I hate this war and everything. But unfortunately, he still hates the wings and wants to make sure that he's not in league with one of them. And she, he goes to like lift her shirt up off of her and she smashes a glass in his face and says something like, if you touch me without consent again, I'll kill you. And he's like, consent? And a lot of profanity, I'm a pirate. And blasts her with this, you know, kind of like, I don't know, energy beam from his horns and everything, knocks her clear across the room and says, you know, you're going to take your shirt off and show me that, you know, you don't have any wings or I'm going to bring those two kids of yours up here and I'm going to rape them to death. And then the final panel is him saying, oh, I'm sorry, I should have given that a trigger warning. And I'm just like, I hate him so much. It was so fast. Unbelievable. It was that fast. Yeah, it was crazy. I mean, because he was so nice. He was one of the nicer people that you bump into. And you're thinking Alana's going to get into trouble trying to do a deal with him, but you don't expect any of that. Oh, unbelievable. I mean, I just, I mean, that final panel, it's Brian K. Vaughn's choice of words, that thing. I mean, just the trigger warning thing. I'm like, oh God. But Fiona Staples, the picture of God, this, the look in his face is this perfect condescending, like trigger warning. And I'm like, how the hell did you guys do that? That was incredible. Her artwork has been, I mean, the writing in this series is amazing. And the artwork matches it every time. I really think that Brian K. Vaughn tries his best to come up with the weirdest frigging ideas for any damn thing in this series. You know, the characters, the aliens, the planets, the ships. I mean, the ships that the pirates are on is a gigantic floating skull and crossbone in space. And Amazing. Staples actually makes it work. And, yeah, 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 yeah. And that was another thing that Hazel, you know, you see this picture of this bizarre-ass ship from space, and Hazel said something like, believe it or not, some of my happiest memories with my brother were aboard this thing. But she says that like a few minutes before the whole trigger warning scene. So I'm wondering... How are they going to resolve this? Because at this point, the only thing I could think is that Alana's going to have to kill the guy and make it look like an accident. I'm afraid that's what's going to happen. And it's like all the other pirates are kind of fun, too. I mean, they're pirates, smugglers, whatever, but they're also they're members of a band. And it's just and that's what Hazel is obsessed with right now. Right now, one of her driving passions as an 11 year old kid is music and finding, not playing it, but just like finding these songs that just, I mean, just amaze her and wow her and everything. And somebody mentioned that this one guy plays this instrument, this weird instrument, this weird instrument and guitar. And you see Hazel go, wait a minute, what the heck is a guitar? That was, that was, <laughs> that fun. was nicely like, done. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Now, there's some things that we haven't learned yet because, of course, Before the hiatus, the final issue ended with Marco's 
chest getting ripped out. Yeah. So in him dying. Yeah. Well, then we jump into the story and it's already Alana and Hazel and um, Prince Robot's son yeah. uh, traveling yeah. with, I can't remember his name. They've got a new member who's like her partner who seems to be very yeah. happy-go-lucky, but, you know, competent sort of thing. Um, but we don't, we jump right into them with their smuggling operation, possibly maybe a year, maybe a couple of years after Marco dying. So yeah, no. we still have not seen the immediate fallout of Hazel losing her father and Alana losing her husband and how they managed to get past that. Because you know that Alana had to have been devastated when that happened. And I don't know if we're going to get that scene. I mean, that was actually, I was, I've been dreading that scene of Alana finding Marco dead, you know, because obviously. I'm sure the will killed him and then immediately cut his head off to take that with him. So most likely Alana got to find the headless body of her husband. So I I honestly, I'm, I'm still dreading that scene. It's just going to be a gut-wrenching moment, but we have no idea. I like the fact that they never run out of different types of creatures because you've got the horns and the wings and it's any type of horns, like the, the trigger warning pirate and everything. He's got moose antlers, I guess, mm-hmm. which I haven't seen. Them, so that's his horns. Any type of wings from butterfly wings to bird wings, bat wings, all that kind of stuff. But then you also have all these different kind of animals. You know, there's been like beaver creatures and cow creatures and, you know, deer creatures or whatever, you know, but her partner now he's this really big guy he's, you know just big broad shoulders and everything he's got a prosthetic arm apparently he did some you know work in the war and whatever and he's real cheerful and everything and i look at him I'm like that's a motherfucking koala <laughs> just, <it's amazing. laughs> just what well, we also have the um the people who are aligned with the wings are robots like prince robot yep. and king robot and they are literally people that have tvs for heads And the higher up you are in the hierarchy, the better your TV is. Like, you know, Prince Mm. Robot is a full-color, space-agey looking TV for a head. But then his father, the king, is this gigantic flat screen. I don't even know how he moves (laughs) around. And there was this whole thing where Prince Robot's wife was killed by a commoner whose head was a black and white TV. So Mm -hmm. just... but. Mm -hmm. But uh, Prince Robot was the one that killed the Will's ex-girlfriend. So he's been hunting, the Will's been hunting Prince Robot for a while. And he killed Prince Robot shortly before he killed Marco. And I think Prince Robot's son saw it. So in the current storyline, Prince Robot's son isn't verbal anymore. And he's undergoing therapy whenever Alana can get enough money to pay for some uh, counseling sessions from someone who seems like a very nice woman, but she did point out that Alana's lightest check bounced. So that Uh. probably isn't going well. But yeah, so he was obviously traumatized by his dad getting killed, but we still haven't seen the fallout from either. I I can't remember if he saw it happen or if he just found out it happened. I don't Honestly, I don't know. And, you know, of course, the Prince Robot, who is on the side of the wings? I can't remember. Yeah, yeah. yeah they're yes, on the wings. The side yep. of the wings and everything and participating in this war. And he actually, he, of course, had the head of his son in uh, the issue when they came back from hiatus. And he's just about ready to swear revenge and track these people down. And this other member of the robots, a woman, 
who I don't think we've seen before, but she was speaking, like, talk about speaking truth to power. I mean, she was just like, that's a terrible idea. This whole thing with tracking this couple down is just then throwing resources away. This is stupid. We need to move into a new direction. We need to make, you know, this kingdom the best thing that we can do. And she's all, you know, and the, the king is listening to her. And then one of his retainers comes in the room and they've actually got a lead on where the woman and this kid are. And he immediately, the woman is sitting in the background, just, she's got like a, because their faces, their big TV screens usually show what they're thinking. And of course, the king is immediately like, oh, good, we found them. Let's go and, you know, kill them for killing my son. And she's in the background with a pile of poop on her little screen. I'm like, ah, <laughs> shit. But, yeah. So, and that is a theme that has been running through this entire, I mean, on the one hand, people acting emotionally and going out and doing things that are stupid because they can't let something go. But then yeah. on the other hand, you see a lot of cases where one side of the war does a horrible deal with someone from the opposite side in order to claw forward some kind of victory. I mean, that whole thing with that entire civilization living on an asteroid. And I think Marco and Alana and Hazel were there with all of their other hangers on for like at least six months, just living, just living a normal life as normal as they could while they were waiting for their ship to recharge. And then somebody... On the wings side, I think, or yeah, it was on the wings side, arranged for like this wings ship that was coming in to get slaughtered and then managed to trigger an explosion that drove the asteroid into complete and certain death. And it was just, it was brutal. So it's thousands upon thousands of civilians dying, but for no reason that I can really see other than there was some strategic importance with it getting destroyed. Yeah, no, I think you've hit the nail on the head is that they will absolutely throw millions of people into the furnace if they think that it can get them even a scrap because they've, they've how long has this war been going on now? I mean, Oh, decades. From, yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. So at this point, they're desperate for any type of, I don't know, some type of progress, I suppose. So it's just, it's, I love everything that they have done with this series but every time i read it i'm always waiting for the next horrible thing to happen it's just... in some ways it's worse than a um uh, uh george r r martin story oh yeah. because yeah. it is guaranteed that horrible things will happen and will continue happening until a character dies and then they will happen to somebody else yeah so <sighs> brian k vaughn he's such a but of course this is the guy of course who wrote why the last man which will absolutely rip your heart out um i guess the tv show wasn't a thing right they kind of tried it and it, I, I think it guess um hang on i'm gonna look this up now because i think that's a very good question <laughs> okay so why the last man had one season and a google search on why the last man season two pulls up a collider article that says why the last man is officially not returning for a second season so ah uh, crap ah crap i guess that's eh, whatever not that i was watching it anyway mostly just because i couldn't do that to myself again i'm sorry <laughs> but yeah but he's just like i said you know he'll introduce these characters and make you feel things about him and i remember before the hiatus there was an episode where i don't remember if it was some assassins or whatever it was the one that had the character that had two heads, I but guess. But it was a brother and sister. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. On one body. Yeah, and it was not a nice person. And you really didn't want nice things to happen to them. And yet their death was just so awful that you're just like, oh, God, that was horrible. I didn't want that to happen. So <laughs> just amazing. But yeah, 
highly recommended. You know, if you haven't read it, you're not too concerned about getting your heart ripped out, you should give it a try. I think it was a fairly early issue where they crash landed on a planet that there was some indigenous species that was this gigantic naked giant with its genitals just completely almost hanging down to its knees. And oh, it was yeah. almost like like the writer and the artist saying, we're going to piss off everybody who would possibly be offended by even the smallest little thing with this right now, and then we'll move on to telling the rest of the story. Oh, yeah, yeah. And every once in a while, it seems like they are they do something like that just to make sure that you haven't forgotten they can do that. I mean, if I remember correctly, the uh, miracle cure to bring Will out of his, the Will out of his coma <laughs> was the semen from this dragon-like creature. It was difficult to get because... <laughs> It was always like self-filating itself. So. And that scene, oh my God. I mean, that was God. Marco's ex-girlfriend and the Will's sister and the little girl that he rescued show up on this planet and they're exploring this cave to try to find this dragon. And I love that scene where Marco's ex-girlfriend just gets this shocked expression and he, she slams her hand over the little girl's face. And the little girl's like, hey! Like, <laughs> that utterly appalled look on her face when she did that. Yep, yep. And then you turn the page and you see why she looked appalled. You're like, oh my god. So yeah, they, they don't pull any punches with that. No. But that's all for Saga right now. I wanted to mention real quick that I, of course, am not caught up on many other things, but what I am watching is a show that I believe came out and started in 2017, 2018. I've been watching Killing Eve. And I don't know anything about this TV show. I don't know what the plot is. I don't know who makes it or even where it's streaming. Well, it's BBC, which is another thing I didn't know, but I should have because uh, Phoebe Waller-Bridge, the creator of Fleabag, she is the creator and writer of Killing Eve. So it's a British production. And um, Sandra Oh, she is the Asian woman who is the main character. And she was on Grey's Anatomy, I believe that was the show she was on for a long time, which I have a weird relationship with Grey's Anatomy. I, I could not say that I love it, but I have watched way more of it than you would expect. <laughs> but she works for a British intelligence agency. They are tracking various, I don't know, spy networks and whatever. She is convinced that there is an assassin that they don't know anything about, um, a female assassin. And she's convinced that this woman exists and she's been kind of pursuing her on her own time and everything. That's her side of the story. And the other side of the story is the story of the assassin, uh, Jodie Comer. Uh, she plays Villanelle. And that's apparently the series of novels that is based on the Villanelle series. And it's really just what's going on. And it's so funny that it's it's got a lot of humor in it. Of course, Phoebe Waller-Bridge, she's very funny. But man, it gets dark and the body count is really high. So, you know, <laughs> some pretty violent deaths happen every once in a while. And Villanelle is very good at her job. And I'm, I'm such a sucker for the type of assassin or spy or whatever that a lot of how they do what they do is just knowing how to walk into a situation and pretend like that's exactly where you're supposed to be. I mm. love that sort of thing. I, I can't stand the awkwardness or biting nope. your fingernails because they're obviously don't belong and it's just only the incompetence of the bad guys that they don't notice how much this person doesn't belong. I love when someone is just like, nope, I'm here and I belong here. 
So (laughs) she's like walking. She disguises herself as a waiter at one point to get close to this one target and whatever. And she's walking up the front steps. And one of the bosses is like, hey, hey, are you new? And she goes, no. And he's like, well, wouldn't you're late? And she just walked past him. I just love she didn't even try to do the whole, oh, I'm new. I'm taking the place of blah, blah, blah. I had a cold. She's like, no, I'm not new. And she just knew that he wouldn't. Of course, they don't know who's all working for them. That's how it happens. But it's just brilliant. And that is why I loved that episode of the Hawkeye series with Kate Bishop, where she dresses up as a waiter, and she acts like she belongs. And she tells somebody, well, I'm here, and I'm supposed to. But like the boss comes in and says that he doesn't recognize her. And her instant reaction is, oh, see, this isn't going to work out, because you don't even know my name. And she's so upset. And she (laughs) marches out. He's like, wait, you can't leave. Just (laughs) loved it. Absolutely loved it. I have not seen that ploy before this whole oh my god I've been working here for ages and you don't know who I am so smart just very very (laughs) smart but yeah I think Killing Eve is solid I've watched the entire first season it kept on going in directions that I didn't expect to go in Um, you've also got like the relationship between Sandra Oh and her husband which is a little fraught I suppose Um, but then there's also like definitely a kind of like sexual tension. I mean, Sandra O's character is married to a husband, but she's really kind of obsessed with this assassin in a way that you're just like, mm, you seem to like her. And the assassin, of course, is one of those characters, just like men, women, whatever she happens to feel like at the moment, you know, that's always kind of fun. But <laughs> it's, um, yeah, it's fun. It's dark, <laughs> really dark. Well, speaking of dark, I've been working to catch up on Peaky Blinders and my rewatch of it. So I will be ready for when season six drops on Netflix because it's already started in the UK. We're just not getting it here. Mm. So I'm on, I just started the first episode of season five. So it means I've only got less than six episodes before I'm completely caught up. And then I saw the news article about when season six is going to drop on Netflix. When? June 20th. Oh, you're going to have a wait. Yes. Damn it. (laughs) I didn't even need to have hurried. I know. Oh, well. That is good news, though. I like to actually have a solid date that we can look forward to. Yes. Yeah. And I am ready, or I will be. I'm alive. In other news, this past week, uh, it was TFCon LA, so the Transformers convention, which I believe that moves around a bit. I don't think it's always in Los Angeles. I remember it was in Anaheim at one point, and then it was in Chicago. So, And somebody said something about how they're hoping that TFCon gives Orlando another shot. So it moves around a bit. It looks very fun. I thought it was really interesting that because of the IDW series not really resonating with me, I really... I didn't really even feel regretful that I didn't go to this convention because I'm like, my Transformers love is at a surprising lull at the moment. That makes me sad. Yeah, it's waned a bit, but that's okay because it can always come back. I mean, when they first did Dreamwave, I read several issues and it wasn't really grabbing me very much, but I was still disappointed when it went away because they didn't resolve the storyline. And then they started the IDW one. And for those first few trilogies, I wasn't all that enamored, possibly because they made them very human-centric. Yes, But it was when All Hail Megatron came out and I saw the cover. I'm like, huh, well, that looks interesting. And I start reading it. I'm like, oh, I think I'm hooked now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I remember telling somebody who hadn't read All Hail Megatron, I was like, this is seriously, I mean, it's one of the best Transformers series that I've ever read. And then the More Than Meets the Eye series got started. And I was like, change that. (laughs) You have another favorite. (laughs) So good. But yeah. Also, um, shout out to Alex Milne. 
He is currently, as time of this recording, I believe he's still in the hospital. He apparently has had a real high blood pressure thing going on, and he's staying there until it's resolved. Uh, he actually oh, had... Oh, God. I believe he's got diabetes, and he had part of like one of the bones of his foot removed, I believe. I believe that's kind of a thing that happens. I don't know if... I know that he had part of his foot removed. I don't know for sure about the diabetes. So he had that going on, and then now it's been a couple months, and now he's got this high blood pressure thing going on. Oh, God. And he's not fun. He's been dealing with problems in his arm and his hand, I think, too, which I think is kind of a lot of that comes with the territory for doing the artwork. And dude does a lot of artwork. I mean, even one issue is more artwork that I think a lot of people do in several months. And he's always got multiple things going on. But I I saw that he was selling a lot of his uh, line art from uh, More Than Meets the Eye. Yeah, yeah. I wasn't sure if that was just kind of trying to downsize his amount of possessions or if he needed money or something. I don't know. I hope he's doing okay. I don't know. Or just the fact that IDW Transformers is going to be going away. So this is like, if you're going to sell it, you might as well sell it now. Actually, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Oh, I'm, I'm so curious as to what's going to happen when the next publisher starts comics. Because, you know, Hasbro's not going to let there not be a Transformers comic. They make way too much money off of the figurines and the sales and whatever to not have a comic be in existence. I just, I want them, it's so tricky because this series has been going on since the 1980s. And that more than meets the eye series was the differentest thing that they've done with the Transformers, I think, since they got started. I mean, there's some pretty fucked up Japanese stuff, like the, the what, Kiss kiss Bots or something, oh, yeah. whatever it was, you and Leland were talking. Oh, God, yeah, Kiss Warriors or something. I don't know. I mean, even long-term Transformers fans are still like, oh, God, Kiss Warriors, ugh. But, I mean, just with the, with the traditional stuff, more than meets the eye, did something that was so different. And then... The new IDW thing started, and other than starting up back before the war, it was pretty much the exact same thing. You know, the heroic Autobots versus the treacherous Decepticons. And I want them to tell stories that are good, but I'm just wondering, are there any good stories left out there if you're just going to be doing the heroic Autobots versus the treacherous Decepticons? Yeah, I'm at this point... My biggest concern is please, please, please don't make it human centric. I mean, that's what I'm afraid of. Yeah. You know, anytime they bring in humans, I don't know, there's some people in Hasbro, I think, that feel like you've got to have humans in it to make it relatable. And I'm like, but I wasn't wanting to read about humans. I've got all the comics in the world to read about humans. I want to read about the giant robots. Yes, yeah, which is one reason why More Than Meets the Eye was so fantastic, because there's a bunch of misfit Transformers in space, far, far away from the Earth, and no God. humans. Well, I don't know. Yeah, here's hoping. <laughs> Who knows? Anyway, uh, if you go to Binary System Pod on Twitter, I tried to retweet a bunch of pictures of different artists who had booths there. They're definitely look, I mean, I want to get some stickers. Also, I need oh, my favorite Transformers shirt, which is the one with Soundwave being a DJ and everything. Uh-huh. It's gotten a hole on it near the shoulder. So I want to see if I can get like uh, one of those applique patches that I can put over Ooh, it. So yeah. Kind of, yeah, because I my friend was like, oh, so you need to buy a new shirt. I'm like, no, I need to put a patch over the old one. And they're like, oh, of course you do. <laughs> yeah, there looked like a lot of great artists were there and a lot of great cosplay. And uh, obviously... 
So you saw the pictures of, I guess they're going to be figurines of the Megatron and Optimus, except they were done as like these cutesy anime girls. I think so. Yeah. There's somebody who actually had a cosplay of the Megatron. You know, it's a girl and she's like with the kind of looking sort of military and everything with the giant gun. And I'm like, bravo, that's beautiful. But I'm sure there are people who are confused as to why a lot of us made such a fuss over the Windblade sexy figure, but we're not making a fuss over the Optimus and Megatron. And I'm like, well, for one, they're taking two very tough male characters and making them into girls. And so I tend to think that that's not something we're going to have a problem with. I'm like, make them women. It's fine. But also this particular creator of the figurines, that's what they do. They do the cute anime figures and everything. It's just the thing that ticked me off about the Windblade figure was that all their other figures were like these badass fighting warrior robots. And then they do the female one and she looks like she's fleeing the wolf. So <laughs> she, she basically looked like a geisha girl and it's not yeah. just the face paint. It was the way they had her posed. It was the fact, I think it was like articulated butt cheeks is yep, what people yep. were talking about. It's like, oh, yep. I mean, a few people were pointing out the fact that the flame toys, uh, male characters like Optimus and whatever you know, some of them have a big package and it was really obvious and that is kind of sexualizing, but I don't know. It feels like it's different with guys being sexualized and girls being sexualized with guys. It's well, they're tough and they're sexy. And with girls, it's like, eh, they're sexy. Cause what are they going to do? Be badass. Yeah, exactly. So we still haven't gotten the flame toys yet. I, they keep pushing back the delivery date to the next month that it becomes like wow. in February, they said delivery date projected for February. And then March comes around and delivery date projected for March. And I've looked oh. around and a few people have asked the questions and they don't have a real, projected shipping date. I don't know if this is just the Big Bad Toy Company, which is literally what the company's name was that I ordered it from, or if there are supply chain problems or if Flame Toys itself has some problems. Some people have gotten the toys, others have not. Oh, okay. I I wasn't even aware that some people have gotten it. I think some have, yeah. Uh, I don't know. I hope that means that the, um, because a lot of people were saying that the people complaining about the Windblade figure were people who would have never bought it in the first place. And so, of course, they redo the figure. And there's a lot of people like, well, you better show them that, you know, put your money where your mouth is and actually buy the new figure. I hope that there were a lot of us who were like, okay, we will. Yes, so. we will. Absolutely. Spite is a good reason to buy something. Sure. I'm fine with that. That's totally fine. But I guess that's going to wrap us up for the week. So make sure to check out PixelatedGeek.com for all the book reviews, the movie reviews, the comic book reviews, the fan art galleries. We are getting closer to the Oscars. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have several more reviews up on the site. Um, I did watch Tick, Tick, Boom. It sort of reiterated for the fact that musicals just don't do a lot for me, but I think the movie was very well made. So there you go. But um, yeah, so look out on the site. We'll keep on cramming in more reviews all the way up to the Oscars date, which I believe is the 27th. I don't know. <laughs> I got that wrong last week. I probably got it wrong again this week, but... All that and more, pixelatedgeek.com. So we should have a Night Vale episode next week. Yes, coming up in just a few days, actually. All right. Um, we might actually get Saga pretty soon, uh, the next issue. The 23rd of March is when the next one comes out. Okay. So it might be a couple episodes from now. Okay. Maybe we'll get another issue of Magic Order. That's the last one in the series. Not too impressed lately, but maybe they'll actually you know, improve for the final issue. Maybe Nathan and I will finally watch some more episodes of Raised by Wolves. Oh, God. I've watched some episodes of Raised by Wolves. It's getting kind of bonkers, but you know, that's, <laughs> that's fine. That's fine. That's why you watch the show. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. it started bonkers. It needs 
to stay bonkers. Yes. Absolutely. Anyway, one way or the other, we will talk to everybody in one week. Talk to you later. Nope, I am going to actually look up to see what everybody's actor names are. Hang on a minute. And hang on a second. What was the name of the main character in the Hawkeye series? Holy cow, oh, I can't no. believe I don't remember that. Kate, Kate, Bishop? Kate Bishop? Kate Bishop. Is it Alex Milne or Alex Mel? I think I it's remember. Alex Milne, but whatever. Yeah, he's, he's not listening to this. No, that's fine.